Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis in New York show. My name is Arik and uh, we were repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome and enjoy. have a lot of businesses how do you uh, keep track of, of it all quite honestly when it comes down to business right it's just a matter of you knowing how to provide the service right at the end of the day service basically means just providing you know customer with with the right you know uh, right type of service where the customer will be satisfied regardless of what type of business you're in so uh, this is this is one of the reason um, although we have a couple of businesses in place but our fundamentals are the same. Um, and each business that we have, we are not running it hands-on. All of them are, you know, in each business is there are like team leaders that are running the business. Um, for example, I am just involved in our dynamic tax and accounting service where this is, I'm working on this hands-on from on a daily basis. Then on the other businesses, we have a team leader then what I'm providing there is the CFO services. Then my brother would be providing the CEO services on those other businesses, right? So with all that being said, we are not daily going to each business to see how everything is going. Because if you run a business where you need to go to each location every day, then there is going to be a problem because there is no way you could be hands-on on every investments you have. You need to put a plan in place that kind of runs the businesses on its own and you just do checks and balances from time to time. Yeah, that's a good point. So how do you select the leaders for those businesses? Uh, well, that's a good question. So all the leaders that, well, everybody that's been in our business is either a very close friend of ours or somebody that, have, that we have known for a while. Um, and it's not like we have a lot of businesses, right? We have our tax, we have our um, pharmacy, then the restaurant is new and we are working on something uh, called the diagnostic center that's coming down the line. Um, these, like, for example, the restaurant, we have a family relative who we know for a long time. He actually has a great story on his own and he has the idea and we feel like we have the strategy. So it makes sense that both of us having the same goal, we could go and start this venture. Now, the key obviously is, is the chemistry between everybody that you have in place. So quite honestly, it's not like we went and found people to become the team leader. It's just, we've just been fortunate to find good people as we, you know, as we grew up, even within the family, that allowed us to go through these ventures. So you guys also have the restaurant Salbees, right? Yeah, yeah. So we started the restaurant in December of 2018. Um, uh, quite honestly, when we started it, we, we didn't, I mean, uh, Alhamdulillah, I mean, uh, during the time, I mean, right now it's closed because of the pandemic, but uh, it was, you know, there was positive feedback. Um, and uh, yeah, so we were actually very excited about the restaurant because this is a business that we are never like i we never know that we are going to do a restaurant because restaurant business are not easy it's it's tough right 
um so uh so yeah it's it's uh it's it's a, it's a challenge but at the same time it's going well but there are you know obviously room for improvements yeah so i, I actually realized i i did go i've been to your restaurant because I, I i used to live not too far from there i used to live in queens village um and uh and i guess you know the the one benefit that you have is that it's halal right so you still have this niche audience not audience um niche uh customers that will always you know seek out halal food so you have that at least you have that advantage but i think like like you said restaurants are the i think i read some i think 90 percent of restaurants fail so how do you guys you know strategize to keep um you know from you know uh you know having having that same fate happen to your restaurant well it all started uh with first we obviously got to do the re- but well halal industry is one of the uh, most growing industry. Even down the line, I think it's gonna grow even more. Because what people don't realize, I, I mean, I, I grew up eating halal, uh, but I have had friends even tell me that halal food actually tastes better than because of the blood, blood of the you know, animal being drained out. It just tastes better compared to you know, regular, you know, like if you to take a burger compared to regular burger, halal burgers apparently taste better. I get, like I, I don't know the full <laughs> things behind this, but what what I will uh, tell you is that going into the restaurant, we we at first did obviously did a lot of research, and um, we all know, like me grow me growing up eating halal, I always knew that I cannot find the best burgers. The burgers that I was used to growing up in the Bronx is Kennedy fried chicken, right? And to me, those were the best burgers there was out there. Then uh, one time uh, when I went to um, Middle East, Middle East, I actually ended up having Shake Shack and things like that. Then I'm always like wondering, right, why why can't we have burgers like this in the United States? So uh, my uh, brother also in the same boat as us. Uh, he also eats halal. Same thing with our uh, partner there, Iman Bay as well. So. So suddenly we are all like, all right, why, why can't we come up with a place where we could go eat and provide the same services to everybody else? People like me are trying to go eat burgers, but they cannot find it. So we did some research into it. We found a good location and, uh, you know, then we just um, went with it. And from as far as profits and, and everything else is concerned, Look, every every business, right? The way the market, the industry was prior to this pandemic, right now, people are out there to spend. Compared to like 10, 15 years ago, more people are eating outside than at home. So if you have a product and there's a demand for it, you will be able to sell. Now, once the business runs, you will run into problems not because of, you know, the, not because the demand isn't there. It's just that you got to make sure your product is, is, you know, is good on a daily basis. Like if you go on a Monday, that same burger, the burger that you ate tastes the same on a Friday, like on a daily basis. Like if you could figure that out, I feel like your restaurant would run well. But this is what we've been working on. This is the challenge that, that we've been trying to meet. Yeah, that's a very good. Making, yeah. That's a very good point about the consistency. I mean, there's been restaurants that, you know, I've been to where um, the chef leaves, you know, and 
and then the food just doesn't taste as good and they bring in another chef and the food just doesn't taste as good and then you know this is this it was the hottest restaurant and then all of a sudden it's it's not right so i guess yeah that's that's a very that's a very interesting point i mean at least you well, you know one thing about halalbis is you also have the location which is you know prime bengali neighborhood so you have that right so how did you how did you select that neighborhood or what was the process of selecting you know location for that well the that location was convenient um yeah. just because um the partner that we have at the uh, place he is in the neighborhood he knows the neighborhood well and we just happened to have you know find a location that that was a kennedy fried chicken prior to that it just yes. became available and yeah. we were like all right it it makes sense but ideally we would like to be in a in a area where there is like more millennials because keep in mind i i mean we <laughs> growing up in bengali as well um bengali parents don't like to eat out <laughs> yeah, their food yeah. at home is the best. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, the, wh- where did the name Halalbis come from? Halalbis actually, <laughs> Halalbis came from um, a team leader in our group. Um, who, who, by the way, is 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 not uh, is not Bengali or Muslim. He actually mm. came up with the name Halalbis, and we were like, "Hey, you know what? That makes sense." At first, we were like, "All right, this guy's making jokes," but it's like, you know what? This name does sound. It it has a good, good ring to it. Yeah, it really does. It does. Yeah, it does have a good ring to it. Um, so you you mentioned a lot. Uh, you mentioned about working with family a lot. So you know, sometimes that can get tricky. You know, working with family. Um, how do you manage? You know, not to have like family drama. Like spill over to the business. Like, how do you, how do you, you know, have you had any specific conflicts related to working with family that you can talk about? Well, again, I mean, me and my brother, we've been working together since, you know, since we started our dynamic tax and accounting back in two thousand four. And you're you're older, right? Yeah. No, no I'm the younger one. I'm the younger. Young, okay. uh, I'm the younger one. Yeah. So, so my brother has always been. I don't want to call him my friend because he's not my friend, but he's more yeah. like. You know, I don't like in between a brother and a father figure. You know okay. what I mean? So, so now we are at a point, right? Like I respect him, right? And so we don't have that conflict where like we are cursing at each other, we are fighting at it. You know, so we never had that conflict. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and when we are working, you know, we both know our role. We know what he has to do. I know what I have to do. Gotcha. And yeah so it all comes down to you know what you're expecting from each other um so i know before this you guys were all, you were you were in corporate for a long time um and you worked for a big uh, accounting firm bdo um and uh and you left that so how how did you so what made you want to leave that or was there like a specific point where you were like i'm done with corporate i want to you know, start you know my own businesses uh yes yeah, it's a little bit of both so um you know again we go back i go back to the year 2004 and 2005 that's when we started the dynamic tax as a side business right we were working out of our basement just doing tax returns you know our friends tax returns our coworkers tax returns as well as family members and after i graduated in 2007 i started working for a smaller firm at the time called marks pennant and shrone So in that company I decided to uh go into tax tax consulting. 
And so I was like, all right, since I'm doing dynamic on the side, since me and my brother, but we were both doing dynamic on the side, let me get into tax. And keep in mind, my brother was already doing audit. So we were like, all right, if he's having experience in audit, let me go into tax. Maybe it will help us down the line. Now, if you ask me when I was young, if I was going to be an entrepreneur, I'd probably say no, because I, I never thought I was going to be a business uh, person. But as I started working more and more, I started going into BDO, I was dealing with more clients. I realized that the service that I'm providing to all these clients that are like large clients, I could provide the same service on my own, right? But I didn't feel like I'm ready to leave corporate world just because that I am used to working at a large firm where I was like, all right, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to work by myself with smaller clients. It's just, it's just a matter of having the full experience as well as making sure you have the right amount of clients. Um, then um, we, we opened our dynamic retail location in 2014 in the Bronx. So at that time, I was doing BDO from 9 o'clock to you know, about 7 p.m., 8 p.m., then from there, I would go straight to the dynamic office and do clients until like 11, 1 o'clock even. Um, there's been times when I actually worked, you know, it, it might sound unbelievable, but I actually worked 36 hours straight wow. to make sure clients' deadline is met. And after wow. that 36 hours was up, I stayed in a hotel. The next day, I was back at work. So... It's a combination of both. So then in, in 2017, I was like, all right, you know what? It's going to be tough to maintain both the business you have at Dynamic, which is growing, and maintain BDO as well, because now you're getting more and more responsibilities. So now you have to decide which route you want to go. So that's when I was like, all right, it, it's time for me to leave BDO and do this on my own and just see what happens. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You say that you didn't think you would be an entrepreneur. I hear that a lot about from Bengalis. Why do you think that is? Why do you think, like, I feel like in, in Bangladesh especially, like, there's, like, this um, idea about entrepreneurs. Is this a negative conversation um, with entrepreneurs? Why do you think that is? Um, I mean, I think in Bangladesh especially, it's like Bapsha. People that do Bapsha have, like, this like this negative conversation. Why do you think that is? And um, But, it's, you know, at the same time, it's interesting because most of our, you know, a lot of our, you know, parents that have came here, they started businesses um, and, you know, a lot of them are very successful, but a lot of, I think like parents, they don't want their children to go into entrepreneurship. The, the funny, funny thing you say that the best shot, right? Yeah. So I, I think it's a, it's a cultural thing. Cause if you, so I, I grew up in Bangladesh, right? I came to the U S when I was about 11, 12 years old. So in Bangladesh, right? If people are doing Babsha, right? <laughs> it's because that their family is already, rich where they already have a business in place where they don't really have to go get education because you know how it is in Bangladesh. So their their job, their business is just handed down to them. Or yeah. a lot of times in when people hear Bef Shop, people are thinking, all right, you know, these guys are doing some kind of scams. Yeah, shady. Uh, yeah. So this is why I say it's a cultural thing. And also, Bengali, I feel like Bengali parents don't motivate their kids to be entrepreneurs because their thing is all right you need to go become a doctor right that's yeah. the first thing if you can become a doctor then it's like failure then you go do whatever else you can and when you when they hear okay he's going into business then it's like all right man how is he going to earn income how is he going to do this do that this is why yeah. parents 
you know, it's not that they're like downplaying you. It's just that they want to make sure that you are, you know, uh, safe and protected as you grow up. And they want to make sure that you choose a safe line of profession that will keep you going. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely the stability factor. Um, and, uh, but but it's interesting, but you know, now you see people like you and there's other people that we interview that are entrepreneurs and doing really well. And, you know, that's kind of the reason why this, you know, I like doing this podcast is so that, you know, other Bengali kids can point to their parents like, oh, this is Bengali people that are doing this, you know, and they're successful. So, you know, you know, and, and, and also, I mean, you're not someone that like from uh, a young age started, you know, starting their own business. I mean, you actually worked for 15 years or, you know, 10 years in corporate America and I'm sure you saved well. And and now you're able to do all this other stuff. Like that's the other piece too, right? Like it's not you know you didn't just like start out selling you know starting businesses. Like you actually put in your time, gained skills. Um, I'm sure uh, made contacts, and then you decided to you know go into this. Yeah, yeah. So I I think it it, it all it all comes down to skills, demand, and opportunity, right? You need to have all those three in place to have a successful run at whatever business you're trying to go into. So, uh, yeah, with us, uh, like, again, we grew up at a time that where a lot of, not, not a lot of Bengalis were an accountant. Like when I graduated or whenever I was doing my internship, I actually did not meet any Bengali, uh, associate until year 2010, 2011. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, so now during 2005, six, that era in, in the Bengali community, right. We are going to a, through a phase where not a lot of Bengali accountants are out there. Not a lot of Bengali tax accountants are out there. Where did you that go to school? Like, I went to LIU, Long Island University. Oh, yeah, LIU. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the accountants and tax accountants that were there, they, like they did not go to school in the United States. You know, or they didn't work with a farm in, in the U.S. or a large farm in the U.S. So this is this is what, you know, allowed us, uh, you know, this is why where the opportunity was became available. Then we pretty much then I just had to get the skills. So we just we just pretty much ran with it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was a great school. So I went to Baruch. So I, I feel like Baruch is known for accounting. So I knew a lot of accounting majors. I mean, I have a lot of friends that went into like the big fours and like, you know, consulting and now, you know, are doing their own thing. But I, yeah. I think, um, what are your thoughts on college? You know, obviously you went to a good school and, you know, I'm sure, what do you think like in general for kids that are questioning whether they need, uh, you know, need a college education? Yeah. Uh, real quick, by the way, now there's a lot of Bengali accountants out there, a whole yeah. lot compared yeah, to yeah. the time because it's the second wave. Yeah. Um, college is definitely important because college teaches you like problem solving skills, right? Yeah. I mean, whatever I learned in college, I pretty much, uh, if you tell me that if you have somebody that didn't go to college, I could literally train him in a week and have him know how to do accounting and tax. But what college teaches us is pretty much college teaches you a little bit of everything. And it teaches you how to solve problems. Like, for example, now, when I work on a large client, for me, it's a project. In college, we would have deadlines to submit your projects. 
college pretty much is going to teach you discipline along with how to find facts as along with networking as well. Because keep in mind, if you in college, you are going to meet your friends who might become a big contact down the line. You're going to meet professors that will be able to help you guide, guide you through certain, you know, situations. You're also going to meet recruiters as well that will be able to find you the next client, the next job. So although we are living in an era where you could find a job without going to college, that's because our economy has been so good the last, you know, us millennials have been lucky with a lot of things because we didn't see, like in the last 10, 15 years, you could stay home, not go to school and still make money. But when a recession hits, that's when the, the demand, like the number of jobs that's out there starts, you know, going down, right? So now when you go apply for a job, you have a college degree, let's say. I don't have a college degree, but we have the same skill set. Who, who are they going to go with? They're going to go with you because you have a college degree. So it all depends. But I, in my opinion, college is very important because it gives you that security blanket that you will always going to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. You know, there's some exceptions. I feel like maybe like, you know, coding. Like, you know, I think right now there are some amazing uh, coding boot camps where you can probably get a, you know, if you wanted to learn how to code, you can probably go there. But generally, I agree with you. It's just it's a skill set that you can get from, you know, university. And that's also just like the, you know, the being a, you know, being in that environment too. It's just, I like being in that environment. I've, you know, I'll be in school forever. I mean, I, I love being in that environment. And like you said, the people that you meet, and it's true for me. I mean, it's the people that you'll you interact with forever. Um, so it's very, yeah, I, that's very, very critical. I hate it. I hate it. I don't want to say I hate it, college, but obviously when you go through it, you kind of hate it. But I would yeah. kill to go back to school right now. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed. Yeah. I would go back. Definitely would love to go go back. Uh, my PhD. For sure. Um, but For sure. I, what, what else? Uh, how do you keep in touch with? Um, I, I mean, you're, you're, you grew up in Bangladesh, so you know, you're, you, you probably speak Bangla better than a lot of the people that like maybe were born and raised here. How do you like stay in touch? You're lucky to be. You know, you live in a neighborhood that has a lot of. Um, that's predominantly Bengali, but how else do you like, you know, make sure that you're, you know, in touch with, you know, your Bengali roots? Um, do you go back to Bangladesh and, and stuff? Uh, you know, talk about that. Yeah, I actually have family members still in Bangladesh. Like I have my yeah. grandmother there, my cousins there. Yeah. So I go every two to three years. Like actually last year, I just happened to go there twice. So I actually wow. went with my wife and my wife never been there since um, she was five years old. Um, so he was, I, I figured, you know, I, I would need to show her Bangladesh the way I know. Yeah. And a lot of people have the negative vibe about Bangladesh, which I think is not true. Cause I feel like there's always somebody that grew up here, right? They were like, all right, I went to Bangladesh. I hated it. There's this, there's mosquitoes. It's hot. Okay. But what, what do you need to realize is that Bangladesh is same thing as going to another third world country. You just got to bring your standards down a little bit. But still, there are things to see there. There are places to go to. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And, yeah. And then and the, there's places to eat that are good as well, you know? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, that's all it is. You just got to go to Bangladesh with the, with the right people. And, and that's that's all it is. And, yeah, yeah I, I, I always go time to time. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and your your wife is lucky that she had a guide like you, because I feel like you know it, it is like sometimes if you're just going from you know from people's house to people's house, you're not really enjoying the country. But there's so much to see. I agree. The food is amazing, and it's just getting in, in, and it is a cool experience for people that like. Because I tried. I mean, I I love it. I I love going back. I wish I could go every year. Um, that would be amazing. But uh, it, it is a cool experience, and you know, just having everybody. I would love to go one day during my Ramadan. That would be amazing having everybody yeah. in that mindset um you know we don't really experience that here i would love to have that, that yeah cool. for sure um, have you ever I, gone back I, to Roger? i i never did but this summer i was actually go back i was able to go back for the first eid oh, wow. i did the second eid amazing. there yeah yeah wow. but uh you know one day inshallah i'll go during ramadan because i missed the ramadan food there so what when people in Bangladesh ask you what do you do what do you say uh, I, I no, I I tell them I'm an accountant. I, I mean, I told if they ask you what I'm, or I don't say I'm, I run a business. I I say I'm an accountant, you know, and and they know what I do as well. And they, you know, since we've been in touch for a while, and, and, they, and they, they, immediately, yeah. they, they immediately ask for your salary, right? They were that was what I was you're making, yeah, yeah. Now now keep in mind that in Bangladesh, uh, accountants or lawyers are usually uh, self-employed in most cases like my brother was uh, sorry not my brother my dad was a lawyer in bangladesh so he was always a entrepreneur in a way but in bangladesh if you're a lawyer or doctor right or even accountant they're not looking at you as self-employed individual they're just looking at you as as the title of the profession well the salary thing is really interesting because it's you know here it's like something people hold really close to their chest you know it's not something that you know you talk about it's kind of like you know, nobody yeah. really talks about this side. But yeah. Ramadan is very open. Like, everybody knows what everybody makes. And it's very, very, like, it's actually the first time I went back, I was like, what? what? Did you just yeah. ask it's me about very... my salary? Like, it's very strange. Like, I, I uh, yeah. did you get weirded out when, when that happened? Oh, oh, yeah, for sure. I actually, when I first got my job in the U.S., I actually had all the Bengali parents call me and be like, oh, how, what salary are you getting? Yeah. Um, and not going to lie, at the time, I was, I was excited. I mean, uh, I think I started off with... Uh, at the time, the accountant's rate was fifty-five thousand, I think, wow, and I was like, good. "Oh man!" Nice. And 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 the, but you you think it's 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 a lot, but as as time goes on, you, you realize living in New York City, it's just yeah. like you feel like it's never enough. What yeah. about some of the things that you've seen, like younger Bengalis, that kind of like you know frustrates you? And what do you think? Like, what advice would you have for younger Bengalis that you know want to get into entrepreneurship or even you know big firms? And you know, there's nothing wrong with working for big firms, also. You know, what, what advice would you have for them? Well, us being, you know, Bengalis, we always, we always have to remember that, you know, we always have to remember our roots, where we came from. And we are who we are because of how we grew up. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of Bengalis that grew up in, in the U.S., but we have to realize that Bangladesh is our roots, regardless of how much American we try to be, right? nobody's going to look at us as as americans right we are not going to be the white america ever it's just a simple fact so what my suggestion would be you know we, we should just be proud of who we are and from time to time give back to the community give back to bangladesh because the reason bangladesh actually have a lot of talented people even bengalis in the us a lot of talented people out there but the problem is we forget about where we came from and we forget about how Bangladesh is doing, where like there's so many people struggling right now that we forget to give back to 
to Bangladesh, to the community, to help those guys out. So I, I think that my advice would be, you know, uh, just just remember where you are from, remember where you came from, and try to give back to the community as much as you can. If it, it doesn't have to be Bangladesh. It could be even be here. Like a lot of times you have a lot of new immigrants come in that just doesn't know how to fill out a regular application. They might, you might have cousins, relatives that you, want to, that, that you don't want to deal with because you find them annoying. But the fact of the matter is, I was in that shoes. I was in their shoes at a time where I came to the United States. I went into my first day of school. They asked me, asked me what my name was. And I stood up and said my full name. And everybody looked at me and laughed at me. They're like, All right, what the hell is wrong with this kid? Mm-hmm. So that cultural barrier, right? New Bengalis that comes in, we kind of need to like help them break that cultural barrier and have them blend in to the U.S. to the so that they could go on and live their life. You know, whether it's your relative, friends, or whatever it is. So that would be my advice. Yeah, and you're doing your part, right? I mean, not just. I'm sure you're doing a, a lot of. Um you have other initiatives, but just the fact that you're, you started businesses and you're hiring people. And I'm assuming, you know, you have, you probably have Bengali employees also like that to me is, is huge. Just being an employer and giving opportunities to people, you know, and that's one of the things I, you know, I like about entrepreneurship is, is you're able to do that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and and I'm glad that this negative connotation about entrepreneurs and the Bengali community, you know, is changing a little bit and more and more people are, you know, switching to that. Yeah, and, 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 and the fact of the matter is, it's like Bengalis, they work hard. Like Bengalis are hardworking people. The only thing that holds them back is probably the cultural difference. Yeah. And again, it, it takes time to get over that, but yeah. but yeah. Absolutely. What else is going on? So let me ask you, going back to the business side, I'm just curious because I'm actually very surprised that a lot of these businesses, large businesses, you know, you hear about Cheesecake Factory, you hear about um, you know, banks even that, that are very over leveraged and, you know, they're not surviving this, you know, two month or three month pause in business. Like, how are you guys doing? And are you surprised also that all these businesses, you know, don't have, you know, the, um, you know, the, the, the safety net to survive three months? Yeah. So, so right now we are basically in an era that we are living through something we have never imagined, right? Now, the thing is, right, right now, there are people have cash. Okay, for, let's forget about business for a second, right? People right now have cash. People that have their jobs, they're at home not spending money because they can't spend their money. Then people that got laid off, assuming their unemployment application went through, they're now going to be able to collect unemployment, right? So there are people that's going to be ready to spend money as soon as this lockdown is over. So all businesses, small businesses that's out there right now, they just got to figure out a way to survive the next two months, right? Whether it's, it's a restaurant, like for example, Halalbi's right now we are closed, right? We are closed because of the, uh, the safety of the employees, right? Because I don't know if you heard, but Jamaica got hit very hard with the COVID. Very, yeah, very, yeah. So, we, like, so you want to make sure the employees are safe as well, right? So... What? Well, you could have you could have stayed open and delivered, right? You had yeah, yeah, we, we yeah, yeah, but we we don't have the setup yet because you want to because you make sure when people come in, right? They still coming in to pick up the food, right? Okay, so a lot of okay. times the six feet distance 
not going to be maintained. Also, your workers are going to be afraid to come in, even just for delivery, unless you okay. put up the proper infrastructure in place so that they feel safe. So we are working on that. Okay. And I have friends calling me about burgers every day. It's like, you know, why are you guys not open? We want to do because everybody's tired of eating at home. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, think yeah. if this virus thing dies out within two months, we're going to be okay. But I don't see that happening because keep in mind, even after two months later, it's not like you're going to just go out and open to a big gathering and start living regularly because it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So next two months is going to be tough. It's but we're going to have to somehow survive this. But keep in mind, mind when, when uh, people come out of this, they are going to be ready to spend the money because they've been locked down for so long. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. But so I guess, what, are you saying also that, like, for, in your case, you have other businesses, so that can, so I'm sure you have, so you can supplement um, or you can survive it because you guys have other businesses. But, you know, there's some people that maybe just have that, you know, and they're going to be in a really tough spot. No, yeah, yeah so so yeah yeah so our dynamic business has been fine because tax is obviously not going yeah. away because yeah, yeah, yeah um but yeah rest, restaurants like i said i mean there are small business loans out there that everybody is taking advantage of or or should have taken advantage of that could you know that is designed to you know help you survive but the honest like, like the truth of the matter is a lot of business is going to be out of business yeah. as soon as in the next two months yeah. But if you look at 2008 recession, right? If there's like all the new entrepreneurs out there, every, like now when there's a recession, somebody's going to make money. And of course, uh, yeah, no, like people should not be discouraged because this might be an opportunity for you to go in. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. And even in the financial markets, everybody's, you know, freaking out with the, stock market uh dropping but this is that this is where this is where money's made like there's so much opportunity right now to get in get in cheap everything's on sale yeah yeah so my advice on that one would be if you are gonna invest invest through a brokerage firm because i know everybody wants to invest through robin hood straight from the living room yeah it can be done you could spend you know two grand three grand whatever five grand whatever you feel make sense for you but keep in mind that you trading at home you don't have the advantage that all these other traders have you you're actually going by what you see in the news but those guys already have that news two three days before they're going through technical analysis all these yeah. other other uh, resources that they have that you don't have so i my suggestion always to them is that listen if you're going to invest, might as well have. Now there's a lot of new investment firms that are out there. They're cheaper. It's easy to afford. You rather invest through there, you'll make a lot more than what you would be making at home. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then another thing I just want to mention if you are going to invest, invest in your retirement. This is the time to invest in your retirement right now. This is the time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I tell people all the time like index funds are the best way to go. Um, and because they're managed, you know, by, you know, large institutions, you know, Warren Buffett says all the time for passive investors, the best thing to do is just park your money into an index fund, um, because that's growing with the market and it's managed by professionals. You know, the yeah. biggest index funds yeah. in the world are managed by Vanguard, you know, people that work for Vanguard and Fidelity and they definitely, you're not going to know better than them. Um, 
they also and the market always comes back also i mean there's you know the, you know, the stock the united states um financial infrastructure is so strong that it always comes back it's just difficult because it's just the news with all the doom and gloom and you know it's like difficult to uh you know, see you making money, but you know, you have to realize what else are you investing in outside of, um, outside of those, like other than really, uh, you, um, I, I saw on your website that you guys have pictures of houses as well. Are you guys invested in real estate as well? Uh, no, no, we, we are not invested in real estate. We, we have, you know, properties here and there, but that's not our investment. The next project we have coming up is actually a diagnostic center in the Bronx. So, you know, it's CAT scan, MRI, OBGN. Um, the beauty about that thing is that it's, again, it's, it all comes back to demand, right? The, the, one of the things that we face in, in the Bengali communities is that your parents wants to go to a diagnostic center that has a woman center, mm-hmm. or it has a place where they will feel comfortable. So you don't have too many diagnostic centers that's run by Bengalis. So, so that's one of the next projects we are working on. And uh, it was supposed to launch uh, this March, but with all of this thing going on, it, it is delayed. But it should be, you know, opening up this year. It sounds really exciting, man. I mean, listen, I think, it's, I think everything you're doing is awesome. I'm glad you're staying. Um, and I'm sure you have plans to venture up, but I'm glad you're starting with the Bengali neighborhoods because uh, you're not only creating opp- you're you're creating opportunity um, for people for jobs, but also it's just you know it's, it's you're making you know um, you're you're giving access to all food, for example, and easy tax services. I think it's all great. And uh, yeah, best of luck to you. I hope you come back and we'll talk about something more in the diagnostic center or whatever else you have going on. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And this is great. Uh, you guys are doing great things as well. And it's my pleasure uh, to be here. Can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live from the slang we 